0: I'm going to ask you to just open to Psalm 119, starting at verse 9. And while you're turning there, I just want to start by saying thank you. Um, Thanks to Kathy and the Women's Ministry Board. It's a blessing and an honor to serve under you and serve with you. Um, And thanks to people who reached out and who have been praying for me. It was a blessing to, to know that and to hear that. So thank you. And then before we start, I'm just going to open us in prayer. So let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for a place where we can gather. We can open your word together. We can read. We can hear the things that you want to say to us. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, that you would feed each and every one of us tonight. You give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say, Lord. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak through me, Lord, and that you would be glorified and honored. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Psalm 119, uh, starting at verse 9, let's read through it together. It says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Um, So let's start in verse 9. David here says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Um, The Hebrew for the word way in verse 9 can mean manner, a path, a road, or a way of living. And David, as we know, uh, was a king, but he didn't become king until he was 30 years old. So um, I thought back to when he was a young man, was there a a time in his life where we can see that he had a way that he knew the Lord needed to cleanse him from? And um, 1 Samuel 25 came to mind. That was a time when David was not king. He was a young man, and he was walking in a way where it wasn't exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. This was a scene where you might remember he and um, his men were serving or being in the same setting with a man named Nabal. His shepherds were all with David and David's men. And so Nabal, as some of you know, uh, was a very rich man, and he had shepherds hanging out in the same spot where David and his men were. And at that time, David's men and David didn't hurt Nabal's shepherds. They weren't, weren't harmful towards them. They didn't take anything from them. They were good to them. And so Nabal ends up having this feast. And David decides, hey, why don't I send 10 men to go and ask Nabal if we can just have something. Whatever comes to his hands, um, we'll take whatever. So David's 10 men go, they ask Nabal, um, they send these blessings from David, and Nabal's response was to revile David. He basically said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? And basically, he just said, I'm not giving you anything that I have. So they turn around, they go back to David, they tell him everything, and David's way in this scenario was to handle it by saying this, every man gird on his sword, And that was his manner as a young man, he wasn't king yet, um, and how he wanted to handle that particular situation. So he and 400 men with their swords are on their way to Nabal. And it wasn't until he was intercepted by Abigail with the word from the Lord to forgive that the situation was cleansed and turned around. And like David, um, (laughs) we are in a similar situation. I can remember a time where I just went out, in the summer with a friend over bubble tea. And um, we were talking and I said to her, I'm messed up. And she said to me, we all are. And that was like the end of that part of our conversation. Um, but the reality is it's true. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is, deceitfully, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 9 is like a little reminder that our way needs to be cleansed. Most people don't make an effort to cleanse something unless you know it's dirty or it needs to be tended to. Verse 9 reminds us to realize that we all have a way. Spurgeon stated, and he already has within his nature, he's talking about us, a tendency towards that which defiles. So here in verse 9, we're just reminded to realize that each of us has a way, a way that needs to be cleansed by the Lord. Perhaps it's a quickness to speak instead of to listen a quickness to anger, a bent towards gossip, taking matters into our own hands like David instead of leaving it in the Lord's hands, jealousy, gossip, comparison, unforgiveness, whatever it is, we can name it, or we have something in our minds, so we're like, yeah, that is kind of like me. I do bend in that direction. We have a way that needs to be cleansed, but the good news is that we have a God who's made provision for our cleansing. The remedy is also stated in verse 9, and our remedy is by taking heed according to your word. That's how our way is cleansed. The Hebrew for cleanse can mean justified, be regarded as just, make clean, or to purify oneself. And I was thinking, okay, that's nice. Um, The reality is, to be justified, it made me think, that's the Lord declaring us righteous as though we had never sinned. And so our initial cleansing is when we come to the Lord, when we come to him as our Savior, and we ask him to cleanse us and forgive us. That's the initial cleansing. But the Hebrew for cleanse in verse 9 can also mean to keep pure, which has an idea of the cleansing isn't just once and for all. For salvation, yes, but there's something additional here. John thirteen ten is where Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. They already know him. They're with him. They're following him. They know he's the Messiah. They love him. And yet Jesus says to Peter in John 13, 10, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. In essence, it's like the Lord saying, you're mine. You're completely clean. You're justified before me and the father, but there's some maintenance needed along the way. John 17:19 19 um, gives us a little glimpse of how the Lord cleanses us, and it kind of ties into verse 9 here. Um, Jesus says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Sanctified can mean separate from profane things. The Lord separates us from what's profane through his truth. S- sanctified can also be to purify internally by renewing of the soul, and the Lord does that through his truth. So here in verse 9, the Lord through David tells us to avail ourselves to the Lord's remedy, his word. We are to take heed to his word, his speech, his utterance as we go through our day. When the Lord intercepts our way with his word, like David did with Abigail, we're to take heed to it, receive it. And doing so cleanses our way that we might not walk in a manner that's defiling, but in a way that's right before him. So maybe there's something the Lord is saying that, is, that he's brought to your mind about a situation you're in. Receive that word and move in that direction. Let's take a look at verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Um, the first section, like verse 9, made me think of the word realize. We need to realize that we have a way about us so that we can tend to it. Um, we won't tend to something that's dirty if we don't realize it's dirty or that it can get dirty. This verse reminds me of the word reach. David talks about how he sought the Lord wholeheartedly. He's reaching out to the Lord. Um, and I looked up the word sought. Sought can mean inquire of, seek with application, consulted only of God. God calls us to seek him with all of our hearts. And then I was thinking of Rebecca Back in Genesis 25, verses 21 to 23, you don't have to turn there. I'm probably going to say different verses, so just bear with me. You can turn if you want to, but you don't have to. But I thought of Rebecca um, in Genesis 25, verses 21 to 23. um, It starts off talking about how she was barren, but her husband Isaac had been interceding for her, and the Lord heard his, his plea for her, and she conceived. But then the very next verse talks about how she had a struggle within her. And so she decided to inquire of the Lord. She got a, she could have gone to her husband who was godly, who loved her, who had interceded for her and probably would have done it again, but she went to the Lord directly. And she told him about the struggle going on within her, and the Lord was able to explain to her something her husband could never have expounded to her or explained to her. He was able to give her something that he could not that her husband could not have done. I also thought of Hannah pouring out her heart before the Lord, seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, as David talks about here in verse 10. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Hannah, she, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. We too, like David speaks of in verse 10, like Rebecca and like Hannah, can pour out our hearts to the Lord, whether it's joy, if there's pain, ladies, If there's bitterness of soul, if there's a perplexity, something you're just not sure about, like, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know what's going on. And I think about Rebecca with the battle inside of her, the struggle. The Lord revealed to her that there were two nations in her. And then I thought of us, like, sometimes the struggle and the battle inside of us is the two natures we're wrestling with. And we bring that to the Lord as well. And he will meet us there. And he will speak to us. And then I was thinking about these women. (laughs) Hannah. Before she went to the Lord, she wasn't eating, and her husband's like, what's up? Like, why's your face downcast? And then she poured it out before the Lord. He met her there. Her circumstance didn't change, but her countenance did. She had hope, and then she was eating. And he must have been like, what is up with this woman? (laughs) And then I thought the same thing with Rebecca. She still had that struggle going on, but there's there's no, like, verse about her going back to the Lord about it. The Lord met them and quieted whatever the concern was, and they went straight to him. And we can do the same, pouring out our hearts. Whatever the issue is, we can bring it to our Lord. And perhaps maybe you're thinking, I do that. I seek the Lord. I pour things out. Um, The Hebrew word for sought in verse 10 also means frequent a place. Go again. And so if you're like, that's what I do, go again, ladies. Pour it out before him again and again, as often as you need to, and trust that he will meet you there. And don't hold anything back. The second part of verse 10 here, um, it says, Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. David prayed to the Lord, inquired of the Lord, but recognized he needed the Lord to keep him from wandering. In spite of what David did right, seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, by the grace of God, he did that. He still cried out for help to continue. First Corinthians ten twelve tells us, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We are still capable of wandering from the Lord's commandments. But the good thing is God is capable of keeping us. Hebrews four, fifteen to sixteen says, Sir, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ladies, like the hymnist and like David here, we can cry out to the Lord to keep us from wandering from his commandments. We can say, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Pour it out, ladies. The perplexities, the sorrows, the pains, the joys, the wrestlings of the two natures within. Whatever it is, we can pour it out and expect the Lord to meet us. Wait for his utterance, whatever he wants to say to you in that place. Deuteronomy 4.7 says, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him? And that's pretty broad. It says, whatever reason. So first we realize we have a need for cleansing, and then we reach out to him, seek him wholeheartedly. Ask him to keep us from wandering from his commandments. Verse 11 says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, In this section, uh, I like that David just kind of, when he thinks of sin, he thinks it's not just, oh, I did the wrong thing or "I I misstepped. I made a mistake. He thinks of it in terms of his relationship with the Lord. He says, my sin is against you, Lord. Psalm 51.4 um, is where David says, against you, you only have I sinned. Here in verse 11, David, in essence, is saying, Lord, I didn't want to sin against you. And so to keep myself from that, I decided to just hide your word in my heart. This is my safeguard against sinning against you. Matthew Henry says, the most effective way to prevent it or sin is hide God's word in our hearts that we may answer every temptation as our master did with it is written. The word hidden here in verse 11 can mean store up. We are to store up on God's word and we do that by reading it. Read the word, read it tomorrow, read it Thursday, read it again. Read it again. Store up on his word, ladies. John fourteen 26. I'm just going to read a portion of that verse. The end says, it's about the Holy Spirit, that he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's what Jesus says. So we don't even have to rely on our memory. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't. We just have to read and allow the Holy Spirit to have something to work with. I, um, personally, am really bad at directions. So if I'm in the car and I'm not going somewhere locally, I usually have my phone and the GPS is on. It could be someone's house I've gone to over and over and over, but if they don't live close enough, I'm putting it on my GPS. And... um, Perhaps you are like me and maybe you do the same and maybe you're using your car's navigation system or you're using a navigation app. Um, But let's take one of the apps, like Waze. Anybody use Waze here? Okay, so um, let's say I plug in the address and I'm in the car obviously and I hit the mute button on the Waze app or I turn the volume down and I'm not really paying attention to the map but I'm continuing to drive. It is likely that I will make a lot of wrong turns um, and not make it to my destination, or I will make it there, but very, very late after many wrong turns. Round two, let's say I plug in the address. I have the volume up this time, and I'm tending to the map. Um, It's more likely that I'm going to be listening and following those directions and I'm also going to make it to where I'm supposed to be with less or no detours. <laughs> Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is like our ways in a world that's not our home. It's our little navigation app. Isaiah 30:21 says, your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. I remember being at one of the women's events and Jean McClure was speaking and she was talking about reading the word of God. And she said, maybe she said something along these lines. I'm not quoting her exactly, but she said, maybe you haven't been in the word recently. And she said, just pick up where you left off. And I don't know if that applies to anyone tonight, but if you haven't been in the Word recently, maybe read it last week or a few days ago, just pick up where you left off. I looked up the definition for how Waze would describe their own app, and they said real-time driving directions based on live traffic updates. We don't need to rely on our memories. We just need to read his Word, and the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus has said to us in real-time living directions. Read, and when the Holy Spirit intercepts our way, we're to respond, that we might walk in his ways and not our own. Let's jump into verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. David here stops talking about what he already did. So he had talked about how he hid the Lord's word in his heart, that he wouldn't sin against the Lord. He talked about how he sought the Lord with all of his heart. Um, with my whole heart, I have sought you. These are things he talked about doing that he did in the past. But here he stops talking about his past, and then he just throws out, Blessed are you, O Lord. David just declares who God is. He's our blessed Lord. The word blessed here means to be adored and praised. It means more than that. But those are a couple words that stood out to me. I have a family member who has um, Parkinson's disease. And um, as my family has settled into just the reality of this newness and this situation, I've just tried to be a little bit more um, intentional about telling him I love him. And, um, when I do that, he, I mean, usually growing up, this person would just normally just say, I love you. Um, but when I've done this more recently, they say, I love you back. And, um, it just always like puts a smile on my heart and I know they're going to say it, but I forget. So (laughs) when it happens, it's like this little surprise and I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, and it's just really pleasant and sweet. And here in verse 12, it's as though David stops and he lets the Lord know, I love you back. He praises him, adores him, and we're to do the same in the midst of seeking him wholeheartedly, pouring things out before him, asking him to keep me, Lord, keep me from wandering, throwing out our requests that we stop, we bless him, we praise him, we thank him. In essence, saying, Lord, I love you back to the one who loves us with an everlasting love. The later part of verse 12 is, teach me your statutes. David humbles himself and recognizes his need to be taught. He also recognizes and acknowledges the Lord is approachable. And if we don't understand something, David was thinking, I'll just ask you. Just teach me, Lord. Um, Our high school youth group, oftentimes, a couple times a year, we go to a camp in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. It's outside of the city of Coatesville. Some of you know this. Um, and we call the camp Coatesville. Um, and in the mornings at Coatesville, we spread out with the high schoolers and the majority of the staff, and we sit and do our devotions um, on the campgrounds outside. And I can remember years ago, I don't remember how many years, but um, there was one year I was outside and I was talking to the Lord just about something that was bothering me a little bit, at least a little bit. And um, I am uh, the first in my immediate family to be saved that I know of. And I was telling the Lord that, Lord, I don't have anybody in my family who can teach me some of these things or um, explain and expound upon certain things when I have questions, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't say questions, but you get the idea. It's just kind of like, help. <laughs> um, and he led me to Psalm 119, verse 102, and the later part of the verse is what he gave me. It's, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. And in that moment, um, the Lord just comforted me, and he was like, it's okay, I will teach you. And Spurgeon says, if we know the Lord's statutes, we have the most essential education. The Hebrew for statutes are specific dec- means specific decrees. Decrees are an authoritative command, Direction or instruction issued by a legal authority. John 14, 26, um, in this first, Jesus says, He will teach you all things, speaking of the Holy Spirit. We can go to the Lord and we can ask Him to just teach us. I think He wants to do that. Charles Stanley said, um, This is just a little snippet of a sermon that I remember. I don't remember what the sermon was on, but I remember this little piece He said, and He said, There's nothing like firsthand revelation. It's nothing like sitting at the feet of Jesus and him opening something up to us. And so, ladies, I just want to encourage you and myself and remind us that we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us as we open the word, to teach us his statutes. And trust that he will, that he's able to teach us. Let's look at verse 13. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I thought it was longer. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Where's the rest? That's it. Um, (laughs) Here, David mentioned what God said. He declared God's judgments. The things God spoke, he spoke. Not just some of the Lord's judgments, but, ladies all of them. Thanks. (laughs) The taught became the teacher. The Lord taught David. He asked the Lord to teach him. And then he began to declare the judgments of the Lord. Um, Kristen mentioned I teach um, kiddos. I teach third graders. And um, one of the things that I like to do in my classroom is like a call and response. And we do like a lot of echoing or repeating And so I'll say something and then have the kids repeat me. So today, I was reminding them of what I wanted in their paragraphs. And so I said, topic, details, closing, repeat. And they said, topic, details, closing, repeat. (laughs) I said, no, 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 you don't have to say repeat. (laughs) And so we try it again. And then they said, repeat. And one girl said, you don't have to say repeat. Um, so we're working on that part, but I have found that the majority of the students are more likely to follow the directions because it was echoed by a nearby neighbor and verse 13 here, the one who is taught becomes the teacher. Like it's like the Lord kind of reminds us here through this verse and through David's example, as he says, with my lips, I've declared all the judgments of your mouth. It's like the Lord leans in and says, "Remember the things I taught you." Repeat. Matthew 10:27, "Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light." And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Matthew 28:18 to 20 says, "And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In verse 13, the word judgments, um, it, mean, it can mean sentence, decision, act of deciding a case. The omniscient one, the Lord, all knowing, has made some decisions. He's made decisions about things. And anything that he's decided on, because he knows all things, it's right. And it's true. So when he says this is sin, we call it sin, too. When he says this is good, we declare that it's good, too. When he says this is evil, then we declare it evil too. Ladies, we have the opportunity to be the echo of an infallible voice. We can speak without fear. We can speak with confidence knowing that what we say is true and it's right. You can speak it to your neighbors, your colleagues, your classmates, whomever will hear that they might execute the directions that God wants them to execute to. Let's hop into verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. We know that David was a king, and obviously kings have access to a lot of riches, but um, but David experienced great riches, and he also experienced riches that he chose to even set aside for noble purposes. Um, he set some aside for temple preparations in 1 Corinthians twenty-two, verse five. He talked about how the riches, um, excuse me, the temple that he want, that his son Solomon was to build must be exceedingly magnificent, is how he described it. And so he made. Abundant preparations of iron, bronze, cedar trees. Those are some of the things mentioned. So David knew great riches, even riches set aside for noble purposes. But he also talked about how he rejoiced due to walking in God's testimonies. Um, his testimonies can also be things that the Lord has revealed. And I was just thinking... Um, as as David walked in the Lord's testimonies, that's how he was able to rejoice. And when we sin, that sin breaks our fellowship with the Lord. Um, but if we are choosing to walk in the ways of the Lord and the things that He has revealed, we are able to have fellowship with the Lord. In Psalm eleven sixteen, Psalm sixteen eleven, excuse me, it says, "In Your presence is fullness of joy." Um, So, ladies, as we are walking in the things that the Lord has revealed, we have the opportunity to rejoice as well. Last but not least, um, the last two verses are verses 15 and 16. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Um, For verse 15 and 16, it's slightly different than the former part of this section. So verses 9 to 14 are a little different than 15 and 16. David's no longer talking about things that he's done. He's no longer stopping to bless the Lord or ask the Lord to keep him from wandering or teach him. He's not putting out requests or saying things he's done. It's like he stops and he starts talking about where he is right now and where he wants to go moving forward. like he's looking ahead and he begins to make some righteous resolves. Past victories aren't guaranteed for future victories. And I wonder if that's why David decides to start saying, I will do this. I will meditate. I will contemplate. I will delight. I will not forget. Philippians 3.13 Um, There Paul states, one thing I do for getting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Um, Paul, too, had some things that he could glory in that were in his past, things he did well. David was saying, I sought the Lord wholeheartedly. I hid your word in my heart. I've declared your judgments. He did all those things well, but he wasn't relying on his past successes or victories. And Paul also had some things that he wasn't so proud of. Um, But Regardless of whatever has happened in the past, we can make righteous resolves starting right now, whether they're victories in our past or not. Like David, we can choose to meditate meditate on God's precepts. The word meditate means to put forth our thoughts or put our thoughts towards something. And the first time I heard somebody teach on the word meditate was um, in Psalm 1, and they talked about how the word meditate is like chewing on something. And so I thought, okay, so if we're going to meditate on the Lord's precepts, it's like taking a piece of steak, you put it in your mouth, and you wouldn't just swallow it, right? You chew on it, break it down, and take it in. And so as we meditate on the word, we take it in, but we chew on it, thinking about, Lord, what does this mean? How do I apply it? Break it down. What does this reveal about who you are, Lord? And that's how we can take it in, put our thoughts towards it, chew on it, meditate on his precepts. David talks about contemplating the Lord's ways. The Hebrew for contemplate means consider, rest one's hope in God's ways. Uh, I thought of Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we can rest our hope in the fact that Jesus Christ never changes. So if I'm resting my hope in God's ways, contemplating his ways, resting my hope in his ways, I can rest my hope in who he is and the things he always does. All of the if-then promises and the word are true for you and for me, ladies. For example, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto us. If we search for the Lord with all our heart, we will find him. If we ask and keep asking, it will be given to you. If we seek and keep seeking, we will find. If we knock and continually knock, it will be opened. If we come to him, he will by no means cast us out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can rest our hope in his ways. Verse 16, um, says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And David here resolves to delight or take pleasure in the Lord's statutes. I hope I'm saying that word right. <laughs> uh, statutes can, can mean something prescribed or that which is to be carried out. Spurgeon states, delight follows meditation. It's easy to enjoy something that's good and that you've been chewing on. So... Um, The beginning or the end part of verse 16, David says, I will not forget your word. Uh, The Hebrew for word here can mean utterance. It can mean business or occupation, and it can also mean acts. And I thought about utterance, and I was thinking, okay, the Lord speaks to us as we read his word. So things that he's spoken, verses that have stood out to us, that we can take pleasure in them, treasure his word, delight in them, take pleasure in the things he said, to you and is saying to you. I will not forget your word. The word word there can also mean occupation. And then I thought, what is God's occupation? What's his job title? And I'm going to give you a list that I came up with. It's certainly not exhausted, so you can add to it, but it starts with the great. I am our good shepherd, our savior, faithful friend, Provider, healer, refuge, strength, a very present help in, in time of trouble. Our father and our creator. And that word, word, at the end of verse 16 can also mean acts. What, what are some of the things the Lord does? And some of these lists, they, you know, they kind of flow together. Um, but I, I made a list of what are the Lord's acts. I will not forget your acts, your word that he forgives our sins and iniquities, the twistedness inside of us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He gently leads those that are with young. He hears us when we call. He saves our souls, removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He helps, guides, provides, convicts, transforms us, upholds us with his righteous right hand, strengthens us, directs, defends loves, and sticks closer than a brother. The word, I will not forget your word, God's utterance, and the word Jesus Christ himself are easy to delight in when we stop to meditate on who he is and what he has said to us. Spurgeon says, he who has an inward delight in anything will not stop thinking about it for very long. Um, I'm going to backtrack just slightly. I was thinking about all of this. It's like David gives us an example of a lot of things that we can do to cleanse our way. The first is to realize we have a way that needs to be cleansed. Then to reach out to the Lord, seeking him wholeheartedly, asking him to keep us that we wouldn't wander from his commandments. Then he talks about reading, hiding the Lord's word in our hearts that we wouldn't sin against him. Read and then respond. When the Holy Spirit brings something to our mind or intercepts our way, that we yield to it, we read and respond. And then he moves on and he talks about blessing the Lord. Bless and request. Don't just pour everything out, but stop and praise him and thank him and ask him to teach us. Give that request. And then repeat the things he teaches us. He wants us to repeat it to others, declare it all the things he says. That's what we call it too. And finally, not finally, sorry, rejoice as we walk in his ways. He enables us to rejoice because we'll have fellowship with him and resolve. We can make righteous resolves from this point forward, irregardless of past victories or failures. But none of these things we can do in our strength, right? We can't do them. We can try. We can make all the results we want. But we know that it's the Lord that has to help us. And 1 John 5, 14 to 15 gives us an encouragement. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We can look to him, to the Lord, and ask for whatever we need to cleanse our way and to keep our way cleansed. We can look with confidence, knowing that that's the Lord's will, and he's gonna hear you and he's gonna answer. So, in closing, I just wanted to give us a little bit of time to kind of just quietly talk to the Lord. And so, whatever you wanna say to him, uh, maybe it's something that stood out to you to cleanse your way, maybe it's a righteous resolve. I don't know, but whatever you want to say to him that the next for the next few moments, um, I just want to keep it quiet. And then I also want to um, mention for anybody that's here. None of these verses matter beyond verse nine. If you don't know, the Lord is your savior it says, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word and the Lord can cleanse us um, and he can cleanse you initially, and draw you to himself and make you new and make you his daughter and give you a new nature and cleanse you completely. And I don't know if that's you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't really know what this lady's talking about, but I do realize I have a way about me that's not changed. And you don't really have access to change it, except to come to Jesus and ask him to cleanse you and forgive you. So in the next moment, I'm just going to have us quietly pray and bow our heads, ladies. And if you are here and you're thinking, I don't know the Lord, but I would like for him to cleanse me. um, While our heads are bowed, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and I will lead you in a prayer. And for those of you who are believers, you can just quietly talk with the Lord about whatever he's put on your heart. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each woman that's here tonight. I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you, that we can pour things out before you, Lord, and we can tell you whatever is on our hearts, and you can meet us. Thank you for your word and your spirit, Lord, and I just pray that you would bless each woman that's here tonight, Father, that you would allow your word to produce the fruit that you wanted to bear in each one of our lives, that you bless our times at the tables, and that you'll get glory in Jesus' name. Amen.